This is the Marvel Sports Podcast. Offensive line issues being a problem last year. I'm really impressed with the way Carolina Hurricanes have looked. But LA is, I mean, the LA Clippers are falling off, and they need to figure it out. And here's your host, David Marr. All right, another week of the Marvel Sports Podcast. We are now live as David Meyer alongside Andrew Spizzano. We're going to postpone talking about baseball for a little bit. We'll have that ready for you on next week's podcast, just with uh, baseball still going on and uh, teams getting settled back in. We're not sure what to expect yet, so we'll wait another week. So let's talk first about the NHL trade deadline and some of the big moves. And I think for the Panthers – We'll start there because they did make some moves. They made some small moves and getting um, Nikita Gusev from New Jersey. Um, they got uh, Sam Bennett from Calgary, who I think could be could be good, and uh, Montour from from Buffalo, which I think could patch the Aaron Eckblad hole a little bit. But Andrew, what was the biggest uh, deal of the deadline for uh, the NHL last week or yesterday? Well, I'm looking, and I, I just I didn't even see this. The Capitals got Anthony Mantha from mm-hmm. Detroit, and he's a beast. I think that's a big move for them because that gives them a top line of Ovechkin, Backstrom, and now Mantha. So I think that could be a really big move for that team's offense, who's very they're very reliable on their they're very reliant on their offense, and I think adding him could be big. I also liked the Bruins making – they made a couple good moves. They got Mike Riley, and they also picked up Taylor Hall and Curtis Lazar from Buffalo. I thought those were decent moves. And, yeah, I thought, like you said, the Panthers really liked that pickup of Sam Bennett. It's a good move for the offense. Yeah, I think the Mantha move is going to be huge, right? Um, the Capitals giving up Verona, Richard Ponick, who hasn't played much. Um, and then a couple of picks is a little bit interesting, but getting Mantha is going to be huge because he's a guy that goes to the net, um, scores a ton of goals for Detroit. Um, I think that this is a good move for Washington. I think it's going to set them forward and be that team to beat in the Eastern division with the way the Islanders are playing right now. Um, and, you know, that tough overtime win against the Rangers in a game that they really had control of and then lost control of it late. So I think it's a move that could benefit Washington uh, even though they scored eight goals on the Bruins uh, on Sunday, which was a little bit uh, nuts. So let's go to past action and let's start with the Carolina Hurricanes because I thought after that series against the Panthers that they were going to be the team to beat in the Central. And then they lose back-to-back games against Detroit. Should we be concerned about Carolina only gaining a point out of that uh, weekend series with the Red Wings, or is this just a letdown series? I think it was just a letdown series. You know, they've been really hot for a while. You know, they were they were due to struggle a little bit, at least for a two game stretch. So, I'm not very surprised, or I'm not, or I'm I'm not like too surprised that they slid a little bit. But they're still sitting right now and tied for first in the Central, and I think they're all, at this point a pretty much a lock to get a playoff spot. I think they'll be just fine, just a blip in the road. I think it's a little – I'm going to say it's a little concerning because I think that 
when you beat Florida and you you just beat Tampa, people would expect you to say, oh, wow, I think they're the, a good team. They're probably the best team in this division. And then you like two goose eggs to the Red Wings. You have to wonder in that game against Detroit, the second game, I should say, um, the Red Wing, the, the, the Hurricanes had um, 38 shots on goal and one of them went in and it took them almost, you know, 55 minutes to put in one goal. And that was Nino Niederreiter's 15th of the year. Um, I will say Detroit does play tough. I think that they, the second game of any series, the Red Wings play much tougher. Um, I'm going to say it's a letdown, but I would be a little bit concerned just moving forward because they got Nashville and they're, they're getting back together and the Preds look pretty good. That's tomorrow night. And then that series will conclude later this week. And then Tampa for the weekend on the road and then at Florida with those new acquisitions and then at Dallas, who has a chance to pick up some pieces and get going. So that can't be the sign for the Hurricanes with, you know, less than or a little less than 70, um, excuse me, a little more than 75% of the game's gone. Um, that can't be the, the moving part for this team. So I, I, I think, I think you're right. I think it's a little bit of a letdown, but let's not, let's not forget, you know, end of the season, you have to wonder, is that how this team moves forward? So uh, what about Colorado? I, I'm starting to get a really good vibe from the avalanche because they just, they're unstoppable. They just, they score too many goals. And what I like about them is their defense is complementing their offense. You know, you know, I think they, they got into all these shootouts and they were playing a bunch of high scoring games. And now we're seeing a lot more defensive backbone from this team. Are the avalanche the most complete? I know that they're the best team points wise, but are they the most complete team in the NHL at this point? I think you could definitely make an argument for that. You know, they had that one clunker last Wednesday, I believe against the wild where they lost eight to three, but outside of that, yeah, they haven't lost a game since the start of April, and they've looked really good, you know, defensively. Um, they've allowed zero goals against the Ducks, then one against them, then just two against the Coyotes over their last three games. And offensively, you know, they've had a couple games where they haven't really gone off, but then again, you know, they're still scoring a lot, and they've got, like, over the year, and they've got a lot of guys who are putting up big numbers on that offense. You know, Nathan McKinnon has 52 points in 38 games played. Nico Rantanen with 50 points as well. And then obviously Gabriel Landeskog has 41 points. And then defensively, you got guys like Gerard and Kale McCarr and they and Devin Taves. You know, I've really liked the way that they've played, but I've really been impressed by Philip Grubauer, who's 25-8-1, just two goals allowed per game. He's been outstanding, 920 save percentage with five shutouts. And, yeah, they're, they've just got a very well-rounded and complete team. I think they're definitely one of the top teams, if not the top team right now in hockey. I think they also acquired uh, some good goaltending depth when they uh, – I think, yeah, they did. They acquired Devin Dubnik from the Sharks. So that's going to help boost their uh, goaltending depth. Yeah. Um, with all those young guys at goaltender. Now Dubnik's in, you got another veteran playing goaltender in case, you know, something happens to Grubauer, very reliable backup. I like where this team's at. They're, they're the best team in the NHL. They're probably the most complete team in the NHL. So when you look at Tampa Bay being able to put up numbers, Carolina putting up numbers, uh, Washington showing a little bit of des defensive resilience, but um I just think that they're probably the best team moving forward and they're probably going to be the ones who win the president's trophy, assuming 
that Tampa Bay or Carolina don't make a push and or even Toronto uh, making a push to get oh, that Toronto pre- too. Yeah, President's Trophy. So let's turn our attention to the East. And I know the Bruins have a couple games in hand over the Rangers and the, and the Penguins, but that 8-1 loss against Washington really showed me that they cannot play defense. And that's been the problem with Boston teams lately. I think they, any team that's from the city of Boston cannot play defense. And giving up eight goals to the Capitals, TJ Oshie had a big game. Connor Sheary had a, a couple of goals. It just shows that when there's when they have no starting defense, which is what I predicted to start the season, they can't win. And worst case scenario, they gave up an eight eight to one damaging loss to the Washington Capitals last night um, last Sunday. Well, yeah, and we talked about it before the year began, and we both agreed that Boston's biggest question mark is that defense after losing Tory Krug and Zdeno Chara. And, you know, for a while they were looking pretty solid, but recently of late they haven't been too great. And that 8-1 to loss is just really rough. They also lost against Philly, which is a team that's trying to catch up. And the, and another, and the Rangers, who just hit four points behind them now, have I, they've played the Bruins tough this year too. You know, the Bruins have to be – they have to be on alert. You know, this isn't – it's not a lock that they're going to get a playoff spot. And, you know, with performances like that one against the Capitals, they could be in trouble. I mean, I really like some of these trades that they made. I think picking up Mike Riley from Ottawa is going to help that defense a little bit. And then Taylor Hall and Lazar should add some depth to their offense outside of that insane top line that they have, the killer bees. Um, But, you know, they got a winnable game coming up against the Sabres and then a matchup coming up against the Islanders this week. Two actually back to back against the Isles, so it's going to be important that they play well in the in that weekend series against the Isle or end of the week series against the Islanders. The way the Sabers are playing, I'd be a little bit concerned because they just beat Philadelphia, so they, you know, the Sabers are starting to move in the right direction, but they're still the worst team in the NHL. But losing two games against the Philadelphia, that game against Philadelphia where it looked like they had a chance then they committed too many penalties and it cost them. And then Washington putting up eight and having numerous power play opportunities. I think they, they had six power plays in that game and scored on three of them. So they were three for six on the power play. But the Bruins just played that game with a bunch of defensive backups. So now, like, you think that having a full line being out, how about the entire defensive roster being out and playing with just backups – and it shows that they really struggled. You know, Jack Akin, who a guy I've never heard of, had to come up and play. Jared Sonorti and Jakob Zaborl, who haven't gotten a lot of playing time, had to play. And they were they were really bad. They really just couldn't stop Washington. And I think it's a good win for the Capitals and a really bad loss for the Bruins. And you're right. They better start paying attention because here come the Rangers and here come the Flyers making a push. Although the Flyers uh, laid, a, uh, laid a massive egg against Buffalo on Sunday. So, um, go to the West. Um, I would, a couple of days ago, I was starting to get concerned about Vegas after losing three of their first four to start the month. And now they've won three in a row. So is Vegas back to normal? Or are we still seeing some, uh, or are there still some red flags for this team that they, they need to start fixing and to get back to normal despite winning three games in a row? You know, those two wins over the Coyotes were big because the Coyotes had been playing well, I thought. And, you know, that second one was really, really impressive because even though they only won one nothing, 
They played phenomenal defense, and they got good goaltending. And then they beat the Kings, which is a decent win. Then they play the Kings and the Ducks, so there's two more winnable games coming up. Actually, three. They play the Ducks again. Um, you know, I do, I do like the way Vegas is playing. I do think that they are – I think they're going to get that second seed. You know, they just got to – especially they've won the last three. You know, they've kind of negated any concerns that I've had really. Um, I don't know if they can challenge Colorado, though. I don't know if they can keep up with the pace that Colorado's playing at. But I'm not too worried about Vegas. I think they're going to hold down that second spot in the West. I agree. I, I did, there's, two, there's two more games against uh, Colorado for Vegas that they had to worry about. That's April 26th and 28th at home. So that's, that's good news for, for Vegas. And I think that that comeback went against the Kings. They trailed most of the game. And then they finally picked it up in the second period, got a shorthanded goal from Mark Stone. Uh, Robin Leonard came in and played well, 26 saves in that uh, come from behind win for uh, the Knights. So I, I think you're right. But having to catch Colorado is a really daunting task, considering that they are just one of the best teams in the NHL and more one of the more complete teams with this defense. So I don't know. But it'll be interesting to see down the road, can Vegas make a push and can they stay the course and get to that really huge series against Colorado, which could determine who wins the division, because I don't think Minnesota will catch them or St. Louis or Arizona as they're both out of contention for that number one spot. So um, to the North and um, the best team is Toronto, obviously. Um, and they've won five in a row. Is there a team that can beat them in, uh, in the playoff series, the team that you think has the best chance to beat Toronto in a playoff series in the North? Yeah. We're talking about in the North Division. I, I'm gonna. I think it's Edmonton. You know, um, mm. I think to beat Toronto, you gotta you gotta be able to put pucks in the net. And yeah, Edmonton struggled recently. They lost five nothing to the Flames on Saturday. Then they barely beat the Senators in two straight games. Then they had an OT loss against the Canadians. But I think if McDavid and Dreisaitl and even Nugent Hopkins, if they show up in a series, and obviously Darnell Nurse and Tyson Berry, if they could help hold down the fort on defense, some of the younger guys like Yamamoto and Paul Yarby step up. I really think that they could at least give Toronto a fight. And also they've gotten good goaltending out of Mike Smith. I think if he could have some good performances in a series, I really think they could at the very least make it go six or seven games. I would agree with that. I think the Oilers are good. I think that they had a really uh, tough game last night against Calgary. I would also throw Winnipeg into the mix. I, I think the Jets, if, if they draw the Leafs in round two or round, uh, round one, could be dangerous. I like what I see from their defense. Um, I think they've played some tough games against Toronto. Uh, they had that two at home that were really tight games, and then they only stole a point out of them. But they have competed against Toronto to say that they have been able to win some of these games. And they could score, and then they could also play some really solid goaltending with that that one-two punch of Brassat and and Hellebuck. And uh, you know, I think that, that you know if they draw Toronto in round one, they could be very dangerous um, because they've been playing so really competitive games against the Leafs recently. All right, so let's go to the uh, speed round. Who had the best win uh, the last week? And I'm going to say that. Um, to start the best win was probably um, was probably Vegas to beat Arizona, put up seven 
in a game that they really needed to start turning around their season. Um, to put up four in the first period, I think that was huge, and that's that's kind of set them on the path to do. Uh, it's really amazing, amazing things. So, uh, best win of the last week. You know, I'm I'm a little biased here, but I'm going to go with the Rangers over the Islanders in the first okay. game of their series, and I'm also going to go with that series that they were able to take three out of four points on the road. You know, um, the Rangers were coming off a really frustrating loss against the Penguins uh, last Thursday. They lost five to two, coming in on a back to back, and they just balled out. They played. Gorgiev made 31 saves in his first start since March 19th. Saw Lafreniere put a puck in the net, Keandre Miller, so the two rookies, and Artemi Panarin had two assists. And then even in the overtime loss, I was really happy with how the Rangers played. You know, they had a rough first period, but they really played well in the second and in the third. They did a good job playing defense, and Shesterkin looked good. And to go on the road against the Islanders, who I think have one of the top teams in the league, and to get three points, that's really impressive, especially with – a four game stretch against the devils coming up, which is a chance to really pick up some points over the next yeah. four games for the Rangers. I would agree with that. I think the Rangers have, they should have won that second game too. It looked like they had it and then they ended up losing in overtime. I would also throw that blues nine, one win against Minnesota because the blues had just beaten Vegas. They snapped a long big. losing streak and then they threw up nine after beating the Knights to end the series. And they've now won three in a row. Um, heading into um, Thursday's or excuse me, Wednesday's clash with Colorado, which I think is going to be a huge game in prime time on 7:30 on NBC Sports with the Avs playing their best hockey and the Blues really desperate trying to keep pace with Arizona for that fourth spot. That was a huge win for St. Louis. The most damaging loss of the last week, and I will start with uh, Philadelphia losing 5-3 to Buffalo after. Um, really taking it to the Bruins and winning their last couple of games to lose a game like that on Sunday and let the Rangers hang around. I think that's a damaging loss for Philadelphia. So biggest, biggest stinker from the last week. Um, I'm going to go with the game that you brought up as the biggest win. I'm going to go with that loss for Minnesota against mm -hmm. the Blues because the Blues are one of the teams that are trying to battle and try and get that spot. And, you know, to go into – Minnesota lose nine to one and then they lost in overtime the next game three to two that's just really frustrating for Minnesota Wild fans especially after that eight three win over the Avalanche and you know hopefully that doesn't give the Blues confidence to go on a big run here and try and catch up and hopefully that doesn't cool off the Wild yeah I would agree with that I would also say Detroit beating Carolina last night three to one in a game that Carolina needed a bounce back and uh, they couldn't do it against uh, a lowly Detroit team that they should have beaten in the first game. Uh, the f We keep bringing this up. It seems like we're shuffling it every week, but the team that can win the number fourth spot in the central is Nashville, Dallas, or Chicago. Who is it? I'm going to stick with my pick last week, which was Nashville. You know, they've won eight of their last 10 games. Um, and, you know, yeah, they lost to the Tampa Bay lightning, but, Against they really took care of business against the Red Wings. They won three to two in a shootout, then seven to one. And you know I've really liked the way that Forsberg has played this year. Roman Yossi on defense, um, and then obviously in net, UC Saros has been phenomenal since he's come back. Um, you know I really like the way that they've been playing, and you know I 
I think Columbus has fallen out of it pretty much. You know, they've only gotten a point in three of their last 10 games. Um, I do. I think Dallas is another team to watch. They're solid. They picked up points in seven of their last 10. And Chicago, I just they're just too inconsistent for me. I think Nashville, but watch out for Dallas too. Well, Dallas does have three games in hand, so that's something to watch out for down the stretch. They have to play Florida tonight at 8.30, and you can bet I'll be tuning into that game because the Panthers really need to win after losing three in a row. Their schedule is favorable for Dallas. They play Columbus, then Detroit four times, and then they get Carolina at Tampa for three. They have to play Florida one more time. Um, and then, or excuse me, yeah, they have to play Florida one more time. And then they have to play at Chicago and Tampa to round out the season. So their, their schedule is tough. If Nashville gets the number four seed, I would not want to play them because I think their defense is playing much better. I think Soros is having an underrated season and they have competed against every good team in this division. They have been able to beat Florida. They've been able to beat Tampa and they do it by playing really good defense and good goaltending. And they, if they can get their offense to go, I think they're a dangerous team. So if, if Nashville draws Carolina or Tampa, that's probably the one team I wouldn't want to play in that division. Um, how do we feel about the St. Louis Blues winning three in a row heading into uh, tomorrow night's game against Colorado? Are they back? Are they back in gear, supposedly? You know, they had a really rough stretch before those three wins. But like I was talking about before, that nine to one win was that's that's a big confidence booster. And I remember the Rangers had that 9 nothing win against the Flyers, and ever since then they've started playing very well. Um, you know, I think this has you – know, that sweep over the Wild was huge. And they've got they got some tough ones coming up, though. they got the Avalanche coming up um, in four of their next five games. So that's going to be a big test for them. I think if they can at least split or get points in three out of those four games, I'll have confidence in the Blues. I think this upcoming series against Colorado is going to tell us if they've really turned it around because um, I think another thing that goes in their favor is that they have more games in hand over Arizona. Uh, I think they own a three. Yep. They have two more games in hand against Arizona. So that gives them some cushion to work with. Um, and I think that they've been playing better defense, but this series against Colorado coming up is going to tell us a lot about this team. Um, so that's, that's that. Can the Pittsburgh Penguins be, the team that wins the East division at this rate? You know, they've been playing really well. You know, they just, they just whooped the doubles. They've scored five or more goals in their last three games. And they've actually scored four or more goals in every game that they've played this month. Um, and they've won eight out of their last 10, you know, they've been playing really well and they have some really wonderful games coming up. They got the Flyers on Thursday. Then over the weekend, they got two against the Buffalo Sabres. And then they've got three straight against the New Jersey Devils at home. You know, they could really put some damage on the board over this stretch of the next six games. And, you know, they're just sitting one. They're, they're sitting two points behind the top spot in that division. I really think they have a chance to challenge the Capitals and the Islanders and I wouldn't be surprised at all if they got it with the way that they've been playing. You know, they've just been electric, and Crosby's looked amazing. Very favorable schedule. I think that you mentioned that. The two games on the road against Washington may determine the division, but when you look at the schedule, the Devils, 
the the Sabres uh, a couple times. They play the Bruins, which I think at this point is not going to be uh, – it won't be this hard. Um, and then I, two at, uh, at home against Buffalo to end the season, but in between that, that big two games on the road in Washington. That couldn't determine the division if the Islanders um, end up falling out or being a little inconsistent. So that could be huge. Uh, for the Penguins. Uh, lastly, um, can let's see. Um, well, the Montreal can. All right, let, all right. Here's one. Um, are the San Jose Sharks done after trading away Dubnik? They've lost two in a row. Are they done in the West? Um, you know, I just don't love the way that they've been playing. Um, they got a really rough shutout loss against the Ducks. Um, they split against the Kings. They've actually lost their last two games against the Ducks by a combined score of 9-1. to one. You know, I just don't think that you – know, I like Arizona more than them, even though they haven't been playing well either. But after trading away at Dubinick, I think I think they're done. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I just don't think that with the way they've been playing – um, really tough stretch of their season coming up with a couple against Colorado, Vegas, Minnesota, and Arizona. Really tough stretch, and now you, you lose your starting goaltender to the Colorado Avalanche, which was the one move I really didn't understand um, in the trade deadline. Like, if you, you have a guy in Dubnik, he's a veteran, he plays great, you're riding high, you give him away, and now you, your season's starting to fall apart. It, it shows that that one move could prove very costly. Uh, for the San Jose Sharks. So that's hockey. And uh, let's turn our attention to NBA. And we had, uh, you know, injuries has been going around every time. Um, but we had a really crucial one last night, and it's Jamal Murray of the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets beat the, uh, the Warriors last night in a critical game. But in in that game, Jamal Murray tore his ACL. He's done for the season. Uh, what kind of an impact will that have on the Denver Nuggets moving forward? You know, that is a detrimental loss because Jamal Murray has been so great this year. You know, he's been averaging 21 points a game. Now he's kind of been that second star for Jokic. And, you know, that's a big loss, especially because of how well they've been playing, you know, especially recently. I mean, yeah, they've lost two in a row. They had a rough, a tough loss last night. I mean, Steph Curry went off. But, um, you know, that's going to, for the Nuggets, now you're going to have to, rely on guys like Michael Porter to step up. You know, it's good that they brought in Aaron Gordon at the deadline. You know, he's going to have more minutes now, I think. And then you're going to have to get more production out of guys like Morris and Gary Harris. You know, those guys are going to have to play well. You know, it's just such a big loss because ever since the bubble last year, Jamal Murray's evolved into a perennial superstar type player. And to lose him to an ACL injury, you know, that, that really hurts, especially with all of these great teams that are in the West. Yeah. One of the things that stinks for the Nuggets, they with the way that they've been playing, they don't have a lot of breathing room in the West. They are a game ahead of the Lakers. They're two and a half games ahead of Portland for that number four spot. And he's such a pivotal part of this offense. And, or yeah, and that loss to Golden State yesterday. Um, to, it's a devastating injury for Denver. And now you have to say, well, they don't have a lot of wiggle room. Their schedule is not that great either. They have to play Miami. Um, I believe that is tomorrow uh, at home. They have to play Portland on the road. They got to play um, in 
Um, in Golden State again, they got to play uh, the Lakers and the Clippers coming up um, in Utah. So they're not really – to say that they're not in a good position to move ahead and they don't have a lot of wiggle room, now one of your star players is out, it's going to be really hard for this team to move forward. But we saw with the Sixers when Joel Embiid went out, um, they – never really missed a beat. So you never know if you, even with a star injury going out. So will the Nuggets rally around each other and play for one another? It will be the question moving forward. Speaking of going off, I don't think we saw a better example of going off than what the Celtics did to the Nuggets in that fourth quarter of that, uh, that Sunday game, because it looked like the Celtics were down and pretty much done at the end of the third quarter, they were getting blown out. Um, they really weren't scoring. And then they put up 31 points in the fourth quarter. That wasn't the biggest stat line of the quarter. The Nuggets had eight, eight total points in the fourth quarter, and the Celtics dismantled them and won by 18 points. The Celtics shouldn't have even been in this game. Like, they were done. And to come from behind and put up 31 points and hold the Nuggets to only eight points, three of which in the last, like, 10 or so minutes – how stunning of a win is that for the Celtics? And can that be the thing that sets them forward um, in, uh, the rest of this Western road trip? You know, that is a huge win for the Celtics because they had some really tough ones going into that. You know, they lost by 10 to the Sixers. They were barely able to hang on against the Knicks. Then they were barely able to, they went to overtime with one of the worst teams in the league in the Timberwolves. But to go out and that performance is huge. You know, they won by 18 points. That fourth quarter was great. The defense looked phenomenal. They were swarming and the offense was going off, you know, Tatum and Brown both had 20 plus, I think Tatum had 28. Um, and it's going to be a big test. You know, they got a couple more Western teams coming up, you know, they're going to Portland. I think that's going to be a big game because Portland's been playing well. You know, I, I think Ines Canner had 30 rebounds the other night. So he's a guy to watch that's had a franchise record. Um, after that, they got the Lakers and then they're playing the Warriors at home on Saturday for the ABC game. You know, I think these next three games are going to be big because, you know, all three of those teams in the West are tough opponents. But I think if the Celtics can play like they did in that fourth quarter, that could really get them going to go on a run down the stretch. And not to mention the week after they play Golden State, they play at Brooklyn, at Charlotte or excuse me, before they play at Brooklyn, at Charlotte, they oh, host the Phoenix. Too. Yep. Hosting Phoenix at Brooklyn, at Charlotte. Um, that's a really tough stretch. I think it was because as a Celtics fan, we've known to be, you know, this bad at this point, or uh, this season as a Celtics fan, we learned to be this bad um, playing defense. And I thought that game against the Nuggets, all right, here we go again. We just barely beat uh, the Knicks, which honestly was a shock. Then we had to go to overtime against Minnesota, who's been playing better. And then, all right, we're getting blown out by Denver. Here we go again. Our defense is terrible. Our offense can't play. And then they put up – and then they hold the Nuggets to eight points in the fourth quarter. Like, how does that happen? I mean, this defense is so bad. And to hold the team for eight points in the fourth quarter, and then the offense just explode, that has got to set the tone for this road trip because I don't know – I don't have a lot of confidence for them to beat Portland with the way Damian Lillard's playing because he's obviously an MVP – He's my MVP dark horse candidate, I think, with the way he's been playing. But that was such a critical win for the Celtics. I don't think that the season would continue. I think if they had lost that game, that was the end of their season. If they won it, all right, great. Let's see what happens tonight against Portland. Speaking of big wins, 
How about your New York Knicks beating the uh, LA Lakers yesterday? Uh, I know the Lakers are beat up, but the Knicks have now won three in a row since that heartbreaker against the Celtics. How are we feeling about the uh, the Knicks going to a, into a two-game road trip? Oh, I'm really excited about the Knicks. Um, you know, it's been a very up and down year, but they, but more up than down, but because of the defense that they've played and they've been in a lot of these losses, but they've won three straight games. Um, they took down the Grizzlies in overtime. I thought that was a really big win for them. Um, you know, coming off of a really tough stretch of games where they just didn't look great, especially on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they went in there, put up 133 points. RJ Barrett had a big game. Then they were able to hold on to a close one against the Raptors when Pascal Siakam double dribbled on a breakaway game tying layup chance with eight seconds to go, I think. Um, and then that win against the Lakers was huge because, yeah, the Lakers are missing Davis. They're missing LeBron, but they've still got some solid players on that team. You know, Schroeder's a good player. He had 21. Morris had 17. But Julius Randle with 34 points. That's back-to-back 30-point games for Randle. You know, he's been really good. Alfred Payton had a great game. He shot 9 for 12 with 20 points. And, yeah, Barrett didn't play well last night, but he's really looked good this year. I think against the Celtics, he went 6 for 6 from downtown in that loss. You know, he really played well. And then off the bench, Derrick Rose has looked good. Um, he had 14 last night. I think he had 20 the other night. You know, the Knicks have been playing well, and they've got – they don't really have a terrible schedule this year. I mean, or coming up – I mean, they've got three in a row that are going to be interesting. You know, they got the Pelicans for two and the Mavericks. You know, those might be tough. Um, But, yeah, I'm excited for the Knicks. You know, I think if they can just keep playing 500 ball, I think they can make the playoffs. It's going to be a big test tomorrow against the Pelicans, who I think are playing much better basketball despite their record. I think that when the Knicks are expected to win, they they don't. And when they expect to lose and they win, not to mention the Lakers just beat the Brook. Yeah. But not to mention the Lakers beat the Brooklyn Nets the the day before they played against the Knicks in Brooklyn. I mean, you know, if if I thought the Lakers could beat the Brooklyn Nets, then I, I, you know, I sure as hell thought they could have gone into. New York and beat the Knicks. That just didn't happen. I gotta wonder if it was a letdown game or just a the really Knicks almost beat the Brooklyn. Yeah. So the Knicks, if they if they play against Philadelphia or you know the, the Brooklyn Nets, they could be tough. They they'd be a very tough out. I would propose to go against like Indiana or Chicago. Not saying that that's probably gonna happen. Um, even Charlotte or the Celtics, if I'm like the Sixers or the Nets, because I've seen what the Knicks have done, playing good defense, nail biting games, almost have beat beaten both those teams at least twice this year. Uh, you know, I wouldn't want to play them. I think that they're dangerous, but you know, and they only sit a game and a half out of fourth place. So they could still make a good run at that with Miami, Boston, Charlotte, and Atlanta in the mix. Atlanta currently leads that spot after going seven and three in the last 10. Um, so let's uh, switch over to the West and uh, let's start with Phoenix because I think Phoenix is probably I think they're better than Utah because obviously they beat them. That was probably the bigger game of the week was that Utah um, Phoenix game. And it lived up to its hype because the game went into overtime. The Suns came from behind to, uh, to force it. And then they win it. What was your big takeaway from that, that Suns win against Utah and the way the Suns have been playing recently um, going nine, going nine of their last winning nine of their last 10 games. 
you know, I've really been impressed with the Suns all year. And that overtime game was really exciting. Um, and one thing I noticed is both teams, I thought, played very good defense. You know, they were really – that was a really competitive game. Um, and, you know, I thought – for the, for the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell had a great game. He's just been so great all year. I think he had he had 41 points. Yep. But the pickup of Chris Paul has been so big for this Suns team because they finally have a great facilitator, and that's so good for Devin Booker. You know, he had 35 points in that game. And Chris Paul could score, too. He had 29. And mm-hmm. DeAndre Ayton, former number one overall pick, he had 18 and 12. And, you know, they've got some solid players coming off the bench, like Cam Johnson. You know, he had 11 that game. Um, you know, I'm really – I'm happy with how the Suns have been playing. And, you know, I really think that they're going to be very tough to beat in the playoffs. You know, nine of their last ten, they've really done a good job against some of these top teams. I think they could definitely – they're definitely going to be a tough out and should be considered as one of the top teams in the league. I think that that was probably one of the best games of the NBA so far this season. The fact that we had the two best teams in the Western Conference, both teams playing well, and um, a showdown game. Like, how good are the Phoenix Suns? Because they have they going into this game, I didn't think they really played anybody because I, you know, they had some good wins. But you know, who do they play? They played against Houston and won. They played against Oklahoma City. They won that. They weren't convincing. And then against Utah, you know, Donovan Mitchell, the obviously MVP front runner against Devin Booker, who I think is one of the best offensive players in the, in the game today. Those two had a good showdown, but you're right. Chris Paul being the wild card of that game, he was the complete difference maker. Being 29 points, nine assists. Um, the stat I think that would point out was the Suns had, you know, a lot more offensive rebounds. They had more assists, um, but both teams, it was a really competitive. And I think if, excuse me, if they get to the Western finals and we have a showdown between Utah and Phoenix for who goes to the NBA finals, it's going to be really fun. I think it's going to be a really fun series. I will say that the Suns did not look, I know that, you know, Gannon Hannibal tweeted out last night that the Suns dropped 81 points in the second half. The caveat to that is then, and they end up winning the game. They only won by six points against Houston. I mean, that's not, you know, drop 81 points all you want when you have to really outscore the other team to win. And I don't think it's that impressive, but they, they score too many points. You're going to have to outscore this team or you're going to have to play really good defense, which is at this point, I think it's something that the Knicks could do. I think it's something that Philadelphia can do, something that Brooklyn can do. And that, you know, that big Eastern road trip with going to Milwaukee, Philly, Boston, Brooklyn, and then the next, the, the, the Knicks to after that, it's going to be really interesting to finish off this road trip, but uh, homestand, excuse me, but this is going to be a big game because they play Miami tonight. You know, the battle of, um, who's been one of the better teams in the NBA. This, the Heat have been really well. They've, they've won six of their last ten. They've won two in a row. So that's going to be a really fun game tonight. Um, how do we feel about Utah? I mean, Utah's kind of up and down. They lost last night. So how do we feel about Utah? Um, I'm not too concerned about Utah. <laughs> you know, um, they've been really good this year, you know, offensively and defensively. Um, Donovan Mitchell, obviously, like you said, he's an MVP front runner. I think. Um, you know, they've also got, I think picking up Jordan Clarkson was big. He's been phenomenal. I brought him up a lot. Mike Connolly's playing up to the standards of his contract. Finally, he's been good. Bogdanovich has been solid. Rudy Gobert's a beast defensively. You know, they're just so deep. Um, you know, I really like this Utah team. 
And, you know, yeah, they had a tough loss the other night against the Wizards, who where Bradley Beal went off. Um, but I think they're going to be just fine. You know, they got a very winnable two games coming up against the Thunder and the Pacers. And then they got a series coming up, two games in L.A. against the Lakers. And I think we might see one of AD or LeBron return for that series. So I think that could be fun to watch. But, um, yeah, I'm not too worried about the Jazz. I think they're the best team. They're definitely the best team in the West and even the NBA, I think. <clears throat> They've been a little up and down, not since that win against Phoenix, but over the last couple of weeks, you know, they win a lot of tight games. And then you saw yesterday you win tight games and then you lose tight games like they did yesterday against Washington. And the Wizards hung around in that first half and then got a big second half comeback to win. I think that's the second time the Wizards have uh, bested this team. I, th I think I remember I know that they beat them previously this season. I just can't remember when, but I know that they've, you know, they've been able to completely dominate uh, Utah, but I think that they do play offense. I think that they need to get some defensive help, but that game, April 30th in, uh, in Arizona is going to be a really fun game because it's, and that could be who, as I mentioned with um, Colorado and Vegas in the NHL, Utah and Phoenix meet one more time on April 30th in Arizona, and that could determine who wins the West with only, um, you know, six more, six or seven more games after that um, between both those two teams. So, you know, I'm not concerned either. I think they just need to start playing better defense. Um, I am concerned over about the LA Lakers because I, I don't know what, you know, to beat Brooklyn and then lay an egg against the Knicks. Then again, you know, the Knicks needed to win that game. So I wasn't like that concerned, but they've lost three of their last five. Um, how, how, how does one team go from dominating the Brooklyn Nets to laying a goose egg against the, the Knicks? Um, I mean, I guess it must have just been fatigue, even though they've had they've had a, they had a day off in between those games. And it's not like they were going across the country. Both of those games were in New York. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's because the Knicks are a tougher matchup, I think, for the Lakers than the Nets, because. The Nets aren't a very stout defensive team, so it was easier for guys like Schroeder and Morris and Drummond to put points on the board, whereas a team like the Knicks have a top three defense in the NBA. And, you know, the way to beat the Knicks is you have to have superstars. And, you know, both their superstars, Davis and LeBron, are out. So, um, and, you know, I will say these late, the Lakers do have some depth. You know, I really like Schroeder. Um, I think Markeith Morris has really stepped up this year. Um, Kyle Kuzma's had some good games. The pickup of Drummond was pretty nice. Um, but yeah, like I was saying, you know, the Knicks just they're a tough they're a tough matchup when you don't have a superstar because they have really good defenders on that team. They have a good they have a good unit, and I think the Knicks just outplayed them. But I'm not too concerned about the Lakers going forward because they are going to get Davis and LeBron back. And with that, add that on top of the depth they have, I think they're going to be really, really, really good. My concern is they've been up and down. They, you know, they, this, this road trip that they've been on, um, it's been inconsistent. They win, then they lose, then they win, and then they lose. Then they win in Brooklyn, then they lose two days later against the, the Knicks. They wrap it up at Charlotte, and then, when they come home, it's going to be a really daunting task with the with the Celtics and then two against Utah. And then it's right back on the road with two at Dallas. They go to Orlando and then Washington. We've seen the Wizards play. As I mentioned, they've been able to beat the Jazz a couple times. 
They've been able to beat the Celtics. They can play tough against some of these good teams. I think that they are turning the ball over too much. And we've seen, I think that they've committed in those three losses on their, their road trip, they've committed 18 or more turnovers in every single game um, in those three losses on this road trip. So they need to stop turning the ball over. But once they get healthy, I think you're right. But I think that they really need to win tonight against Charlotte, who I think is a much more – underrated team than most people think they're tough loss against Atlanta, but Atlanta's been playing a lot better now. So that's going to be tough for uh, the Lakers. So let's hit the speed round as we wrap up. Um, biggest win of the week in any conference for the NBA. And I will think I would say Brooklyn, but I would also say Memphis beating Chicago. I think the Grizzlies in the much like a fourth quarter comeback, the Grizzlies hanging on to that eighth spot and Coming back against the Bulls team that is a little bit dangerous with Zach Levine having a good year. Um, I think that's a game the Grizzlies needed to win. They got to come back in the fourth quarter. And um, they've been playing much better with uh, Jonas Valencius having a good game, 26 points, 14 rebounds. I think that was the biggest win of the, of the week for the NBA. But what do, you, what do you think, Andrew? You know, I would go with that next win over the Grizzlies just because they hadn't been playing well. And Memphis has been really solid this year. But I'm going to go back to last Wednesday's game that we talked about earlier, the Suns over the Jazz, because, you know, obviously that was a great game to watch, obviously. But, you know, obviously everyone's talking about the Jazz is the best team and kind of the Suns are looking up at them. But, you know, to win that game at home in overtime, you know, that was just awesome for them. And, you know, I was excited about that one. Yeah, I think that was that was huge. And it was such a fun game to watch, really, see both teams really wanting it. Um, the biggest change needed to save uh, the Pacers season. Pacers currently sit a game and a half out of that eighth spot with Brooklyn and they have won three in a row, but what could be changed in Indiana to get uh, to make them push for the playoffs? You know, they've just got to be more consistent, you know? Um, I mean, yeah, they played a lot better recently. They put up 141 and a win over the Timberwolves. Um, I would say one thing is they need to play better defense. You know, I'm looking at this, you know, they gave up 133 to the Spurs, 113 to the Bulls, 137 to the Timberwolves, then 125 to Memphis. You know, they've got to play better defense if they're going to win, especially since they've traded away Oladipo, um, you know, who's one of their better players. But I really like Malcolm Brogdon. Sabonis is a beast. Karis LeVert was a great pickup in that trade. Um, TJ Warren has finally started playing better. Um but, yeah, they've got to play better defense or, you know, they're going to be – remember, the 7 through 10 teams have to play in a play-in series to get into the playoffs. And right now they – the Pacers would play the Knicks, and the Knicks have dominated them this year. So I think they, they really need to step up their defensive game if they're going to make a run. Yeah, I totally forgot about that. I didn't know the NBA imp implemented that rule this year. Yeah, I think Indiana better defense could be one. I would also say, um, you know, I think it's just, you know, not turning the ball over. I think that they, their turnover margin has been a little bit uh, inflated over the last week. I think that they're they're good from three-point range. Um, I think that they, they're really good at stealing. They're fourth in the league in steals, but they are, they've got to stop turning the ball over. And um, they've, they've got to be able to just play better defense. So I think that's one of the big changes. Um, if the Wizards get into the playoffs, how dangerous could they be um, if they make that number 10 spot? 
Now, I was thinking about this earlier. They're not a team that I would want to play mm-hmm. because they have a really explosive offense with Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, who Russell Westbrook's actually having a pretty solid year. You know, he's averaging a triple-double. Um, and obviously Bradley Beal leads the league in scoring. And, you know, Bryant's been solid at center. Hachimura has been really good. He's averaging 14. And Bertans can shoot the ball at small forward. And the pickup of Alex Len has been really solid. You know, he's a good role player. Um, you know, the pro- you really have to make your shots against the Wizards because they're going to put up points. You know, their biggest flaw is they're terrible defensively. You know, Westbrook and Beal stink up the joint in the backcourt on defense. Um, but if you don't make your shots and you have a bad day shooting from the field, it's going to be tough to win against this Wizards team. Yeah, I think that Bradley Beal and that um, Westbrook, that one-two punch is critical. They've beaten the Jazz twice. They've beaten the Celtics. They've beaten the Lakers. They have beaten a lot of top-tier teams. And if they get into the playoffs and they win that play-in series against, I don't care if it's Charlotte or New York or if it's the Celtics, if they fall apart again, I wouldn't want to play them because they could go toe-to-toe with any team in the Eastern Conference and knock them out really quickly. So – that would be my caveat for Brooklyn because they just they cannot beat a lesser a lesser team, and we saw that with a banged up Lakers team the other day, giving up 126 points. Even after they got everybody healthy, they KD dropped 22 points, and they still lost against the Lake against the Lakers, who had no LeBron, no Davis. They played with an entire bench, and and they ended up losing the game. So that would be the Wizards would be a team I just I would not want to play against if they make the playoffs. Um, who is the front runner to the number four spot in the Eastern Conference with about a month to go in the season? Um, you know, obviously the Hawks have been playing great basketball, but I'm going to throw the Miami Heat in there mm-hmm. just because ever since Jimmy Butler has come back, they've just been really solid. Um, and I really like the way they play defense. You know, I was, I was watching them against the Knicks, but looking at they only gave up 98 points to the Trailblazers who have an explosive offense and a win over them on the road, which was big. Um, and they only have 104 to the Lakers. And with the hot, the hot Warriors, they just gave up 109. And then 101 against the Cavs. You know, I really like the way they've been playing. Um, Jimmy Butler's been great. Adebayo's a beast. Tyler Hero, Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson. The pickup of Oladipo is really nice for them, I think. And I think – out of the teams fighting for the four seed, I like their talent the most. Uh, I'm going to throw a little hot take out here. I'm going to say the Knicks. I think the Knicks have a good chance. I think that their defense is playing better. Um, I like it. I, I I know you like it. I'm just saying it's a hot take. I think that they, they do have a big homestand coming up against, you know, New Orleans and Charlotte and Atlanta and then Toronto. Those four teams to start and then Phoenix and then Chicago. That homestand, they've got a really good chance to go five and one in that homestand and beat some of these lesser teams in both conferences. I don't think that they could beat Phoenix. It'd be a shock if they did, but they could go five and one on, they could win both games on their, their little road trip in new Orleans and Dallas. And then they go five and one on this, on this road trip. They've got a good chance if they could just get their offense to click, you know, if they go, what, what, what would they go? They would go seven and one in the next eight games. They've got a really good chance. Recently. to get, Yeah. They've got a, they've got a pretty good, sh- I would say the Celtics, but their schedule is brutal. And uh, I, I still don't believe in their defense. So I don't think that they will – I don't think they'll have a chance. Um, who do you trust more, the Nets or the Sixers, for that number one spot? 
Um, I trust the Sixers more, and it's just because they actually play defense. Um, you know, the Brooklyn Nets have really disappointed me against some in some games that they should have won. They lost by 25 to the banged-up Lakers at home, mm-hmm. and, you know, they barely beat the Knicks. They beat the Knicks by two points. Um, in a really close one, they only lost, they only won by eight against the Chicago Bulls. Um, you know, and plus, what is going on with Kevin Durant? Like, this guy's been, you know, he was so hot, but he's been very inactive the last couple of weeks. And, you know, is he healthy? Like, what's going on with him? And obviously, James Harden, Kyrie, you know, that backcourt is phenomenal, but. You know, defensively, I just don't trust them. And the Sixers, you know, they proved that they had depth. When Joel Embiid was out, I thought they still played at a very elite pace. You know, they were able to maintain that one spot. And now that Embiid's back, they just look really good. Um, They've allowed under 100 points in their last four games. Um, You know, they play really good defense. They've got – I think Tobias Harris is a very underrated player. Um, And, you know – I think they're they're the team I would trust most right now in the East. I would agree with that. I think the six. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I think the Sixers just have more more talent. I think that they they do play some really tough games against some of the, uh, some really bad teams, but that's just because they they're gonna get everybody's best shot. They're gonna get some teams that want to. It's a measuring stick for those teams. It's not a measuring stick for the Sixers, for Brooklyn. Their defense is, is about as bad as the Celtics right now, and they're not 100%. I know KD is back. He doesn't look 100%. Kyrie still doesn't look 100%. Um, James Harden, I think he's been a little inconsistent. They're just – they're not that great. And and you know what? Those two teams will actually play tonight – or excuse me, not tonight, but they'll play tomorrow night um, in one. Philadelphia. Yeah, that's going to be a really big game for both teams. But I don't trust this – I don't trust the Nets. I don't trust their defense. I trust Philadelphia more. I know that they lost against New Orleans, but New Orleans is playing much better now. They were able to beat Dallas, who I think is pretty good. Um, and they have been able to beat a lot of the top contenders. They beat uh, the Bucs a couple of times. They've been able to beat the Celtics. And I didn't they just dismantle the Nets the, the last time that these two teams got together? I, don't, I want to say it was – all right, I so 124 so. to 108. Yeah, it was, it was pretty close. So I, I would trust the Sixers more um, in the in the East. Um, quick throw to the West. Um, what's our opinion on the Portland Trailblazers? They've won six of their last uh, ten, but they just lost against Miami last uh, Sunday. Um, I really like the Portland Trailblazers. You know, they're actually one of my favorite teams in the league. You know, I love Damian Lillard. I've been high on him all year. They got C.J. McCollum back. I really like the pickup of Norman Powell. Um, and then N.S. Cantor has been great. You know, I think that the Blazers, their one problem is they're not a good defensive team. They're really going to have to step that up, I think, But if they're going to be good in the playoffs. But I love that backcourt, and you know they've, been, they've played well this year, and the Lakers got to watch out. They're just one and a half games behind. And I even think they can catch the Nuggets now that the Nuggets have lost um, Jamal Murray for the year. So, yeah, I like the Blazers. Yeah, I like the Blazers too. I, I think that – I know that they're six and four in their last 10, but I think they've got a really good chance to, um, to make a good run in the, in the playoffs with Damian Lillard, my dark horse MVP candidate who's having a phenomenal year. I'm going to really curious to watch how this team responds to that Miami loss tonight against the Celtics who really shouldn't have 
won that game against the Nuggets after being down for the first three quarters and then just absolutely ripping the Nuggets apart in the fourth quarter um, tonight at 10. It's going to be a late game. I don't know if I'm going to be able to stay up for that with the, with the Panthers going on. Um, but I, I think this team's got a good chance. They've got a, a pretty favorable schedule. I don't think there's a lot of tough teams on that, on that uh, schedule until they go out east. They go to Brooklyn. They go to Boston. They go to Atlanta. Um, and then they go to Cleveland to wrap it up. And then they got three at home against L.A., San Antonio, and Houston. And then it's two on the road against Utah and Phoenix in back-to-back nights. So schedule's going to tell us a lot. But I, I think for right now, this team's in a pretty good spot. And the Nuggets could fall apart with their injury. The Lakers could continue to fall apart. Um, I think they'd be dangerous. So, uh, Andrew, have fun at Yankee Stadium. We're going back uh, – I believe on Friday night, you got to go get your COVID test uh, quickly. So yep, against the Rays. Yep. And then uh, we will be going to Yankee Stadium as well. We have uh, tickets for May 2nd, which is against uh, the Detroit Tigers. So that'll be fun being back in, uh, uh, in a stadium for the first time. And um, I think for me, first time since last March, I think. Uh, when the, It was such a great feeling the first time I went back against yeah. the Jays. So we'll so have nice to uh, – yeah, so that'll be fun. So we got tickets for May 2nd, so we're really excited. But, Andrew, have fun at the Yankee game. The Yankees really shouldn't have been in – I will say one Thank note you. about baseball. The Yankees really shouldn't have been in that game against the Blue Jays. I heard they got dominated. And then uh, who was it? Higashioka had uh, two bombs. Two homers and Cole shoved. Yeah. Okay, so so, Jer- so Garrett, Cole, Garrett Cole had a good game. The Yankees are in second in the AL East, right behind your first place, Boston Red Sox, who have won six in a row and are playing the Minnesota Twins right now so uh with that we'll step aside okay (laughs) we'll see uh red sox twins are going to start in a few minutes so i'm going to try to watch that game uh that's going to do it for us uh for andrew i'm david so long we'll see you next time we'll talk baseball uh and have a great rest of your